Hi, welcome to the Core Church Podcast. Our vision is to experience Christ's heart and to share his heart with others. Ready to learn more about him? Let's dive into this week's message. All right. So you guys don't get to see it every week, uh, but we have an incredible prayer team. What up, prayer team? Let's go. Um, we have an incredible prayer team that uh, before every Sunday, they, they come and they pray over me. And Brother Ian did something beautiful today. Thank you for praying over me, brother. But the thing that was crazy is he prayed for forgiveness. I thought that was very interesting. And he prayed for forgiveness for me. Not that he was upset with me. I'm saying just forgiveness in my heart. And then he started praying for forgiveness for the church. I I was blown away at that because a lot of times we don't receive or a lot lot of times we come to church and we don't gather as much as we can. Maybe that revelation feels like it's disjointed. Things are going a little bit crazy. Can I tell you that, that unforgiveness is a huge wall, is a huge wall that needs broken down. And so when I say forgiveness, it's uh, you probably have a person in mind like that. So can we think about it for a second? And can we choose to forgive in this place before we receive the word of God? Jesus, you see what's on our hearts and you see what we've went through this past week. You know what's been, been on our hearts, not even just for a couple days, but maybe even for a couple years. If there's any forgiveness, or I'm, I'm sorry, if there's any unforgiveness or bitter root in our heart, I pray that we would uproot it right now so that we would get ready to receive from you something fresh and new. Someone say, I choose to forgive. In Jesus' name, everybody said. I don't know why I wanted to just start with that. Ian, thank you for sharing. I choose to forgive. I choose it. I choose it. It is a choice. Amen, church? It is a choice. We have to choose to forgive. We have to choose to forgive. Now we can jump into it. 1 Samuel 17, go ahead and get your books out. 1 Samuel 17, it's in the Old Testament. We're looking at a famous story of David. I want to give you a couple moments so that way you can get to it. But we're in week number four, I think. I lose track. Are we in week four? Judd tells me I'm in week four. Okay, week four of I'm here and it's different now. Someone say I'm here and it's different now. Sometimes, sometimes... Can we just start big? Let's just start big. Someone say, I'm here. And it's different now. Like you believe it. Like you believe it. Like you believe it. I'm here and it is different now. I am here and it is different now. I am here and it is different now. I'm here. It is different now. Where I walk is going to be different. Amen, church. And that's the same statement. It's not just because I'm the pastor guy. No, it's the same statement for each and every person in this room who believes in the way, the truth, and the life. Wherever you step your foot, it is different now. John, wherever you walk, brother, it's different now. It's different now. It's different now. Rebecca, wherever you step your foot, it's different now. It is different now. Someone say, it's different now. It's different now. It's different now. I got to tell myself. I was just sharing with our group as well. Paul was in prison after being, preaching the gospel and being beat. And he had every reason to just be down in the dumps and to just completely disengage and blame God for everything. But something was different now and he inspired worship in an entire prison and everyone was set free. It is different now. Even if I'm in jail, it's different now. You're not in jail today, but is there a jail of sorts? It's different now. I'm just, I'm ready for it, church. I'm ready for things to be different. I look at so many incredibly faith-filled believers in the way, the truth, and the life, and I'm ready for the it's different now. I'm ready for it. Are y'all ready for it? Where Jesus walked, everything began to change, church. Every step he took, every town he went into, every person he talked to, whether they were old, young, sick, smart, who cares what their story was, everything was different when he talked with them. Everything was different when he walked into a town. Literally, uproars of people. It was at one point they were following him, and everyone's like, hey, it's getting late, they need to eat. It's different now, I'm preaching. It's different. You give them something to eat. It's different. 
Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 9. I just want to show you the power that Jesus, the authority that he walked with. There was a man that had been mute from birth. And Jesus runs into him. Imagine this man trying to do everything possible to speak. Probably went to doctors, witch doctors, pagans, whatever. Probably put on, you know, some, uh, some uh, essential oils, you know. I love my essential oils. Peppermint, you know. Uh, anyways. So, uh, Jesus goes and prays, and this demon is driven out. And look at what happens. The man who had been mute spoke. Someone say amen. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. Let me put it in Nick Miller terms. It's different. Wow. That's different. I've never seen that. It's different. I've never seen that. And so Jesus, wherever he walked, everything began to change every step he took. But the bummer is, is that Jesus is no longer here with us. With us. Oh my gosh. With us. In the, this is a hard job. With us in the physical. Yeah, hey, hey, thank you. Thank you. Hey, dope and sexy. That's why now I feel like a champion. Here's the problem though, is he's no longer here with us in the physical. Christ no longer walks amongst us in this place. Thousands of years ago, Jesus came to earth, came, descended from heaven. He saw the brokenness of humanity. He came from heaven to be the perfect sacrifice to make you and I, who are imperfect, right with God, here on earth and forevermore. The only bummer part is, is that he had to leave us. And, and look at where he's at right now. Hebrews chapter 1 says it like this. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation. I say this every week, but I love that. When you see Jesus, you see God. When you talk with the Holy Spirit, you're talking with God. Y'all know that? That's crazy. The exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had been provided purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. That's where he's at right now, church. So he's no longer here in the physical. He's with God in heaven. And so you might think that that's a bummer. And the, the disciples certainly did at that last moment. They were like, no, you can't leave us. You're doing these incredible things. And he says, no, it's actually better for you. Someone say, better for me. It's better for me. It's better for you if I leave. For I'm sending someone else. And so my point here is this, church, is that those who are faithful, you actually do walk with him day in and day out. The Holy Spirit is in you, church. His Spirit is in you. Someone say, do you not know? Do you not know? I like the question. Do you not know? Do you not know that he's in you, church? Do you know how many years, decades, people walk around, they believe in Jesus, they've given their life to him, and yet there's this part of God that we just let it lie dormant in us, and we don't know it's there. Not it's he. We don't know that he's there. But the Holy Spirit is in you. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians. Paul is talking to the church. Do you not know? Do you not know, church? Do you not know, church, that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? Do you not know it? Sometimes we like to ignore it. Maybe you haven't been taught it. I'm here today to tell you that if you believe in the way, the truth, and the life, you are walking with the Holy Spirit. He is in you as a deposit guaranteeing what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit is in you, walking with you. You're not your own. You were bought with a price. I love that. And so ultimately what we say in this, the whole point of this series has been about this. Wherever you go, church, wherever you step foot, whether it's at work, at home, with friends, coming to church, wherever you go, wherever you go, Jesus, the Holy Spirit is there with you. Someone say, I'm here and it's different now. That's why we can say it. It's not out of arrogance. It's not out of this like, oh, I'm really great, skilled, and talented. No, that's not why we say this statement. We say I'm here and it's different now simply because where I walk in the room, the Holy Spirit just entered the room. Whatever door I just opened, the Holy Spirit just opened that door. Here we go. He's here. And it's different. 
It's different where he's at. Let me give you proof. Acts chapter 1 says this. You will receive power. Someone say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That pretty much sounds like wherever you go, he's there. And I'm here and it's different now. For you're going to walk and operate with a spirit of power. And it's going to change everything. Over the last few weeks, we talked about how God has a plan for each and every step we take. If you remember John chapter 2, the water into wine miracle, how it was so intricately detailed. The week following, we talked about, I'm here, let my people go. Someone say, let my people go. Is that how you say it? Someone say, let my people go. Yeah, that's how I would say it. Last week we talked about all nations coming to worship him. Worship not necessarily just singing, but surrendering and living a sacrificial life, giving their heart to God. Hmm. And this week we're going to be talking about fear. Someone say, ooh. We didn't even plan for Halloween, but you know, it was just around that time. We're going to address this. Fear is a huge deal. Fear is a very real thing. And we all deal with it day in and day out. And I'm here to tell you today, and we're going to look in 1 Samuel 17, wherever David was, where David was, fear had to flee, church. Where David was, fear had to flee. It had to go. It had to leave. Oh, I can't wait to, okay, I don't want to jump ahead. Nick, stick to the script. Here we go. 1 Samuel 17. David, this young man, this 13-year-old has this conversation with the king. Hey, there's a bad guy over there, and his name is Goliath, and he's probably the baddest dude in the land. He's a ginormous person. Think Shaq, but bigger. Big sword, you know, armor. Huge man. David said to Saul, let no man's heart, let no man fear. Someone say, no one fear. Let no one fear because of him. Goliath, let no one fear because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. I'll go fight it. I'm here and it's different now. I wasn't even supposed to be here. And it's going to be different now. Where David was, fear had to flee. Amen, church? And so I wanted to jump into, I just wanted to jump into fear and address some things about the church that, that we wrestle with. Um, let me start out by saying this, and I, I'm going to give you some, some doctrine, some theology, some understanding. The kingdom we belong to, oh my goodness, please write this down. The kingdom that we belong to has nothing to do with fear. In fact, fear should be the furthest thing from the believer. But let me give some clarity on that. We have some discussion to have, okay? But we have nothing to do with fear. And that's not the spirit that we've been given. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Actually, in fact, where fear comes from, comes from a different master. Can someone say where that master is or who that master is? The devil. Fear comes from the devil. He comes from the enemy. It is not from God. Fear does not come from God. He does not give us a spirit of fear, but of power. We just saw that in Acts chapter 1, of love and a sound mind. Some, some translations say discipline or self-control. We've not been given this fear. You as a believer in the way, the truth, and the life, this is not given to you by God. No. But we receive it. And we take it in, and we actually, um, y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, but in fact, we embrace it. We get comfortable with it. Ah, it's just a part of my life. I, I don't know about that. I don't think it should be just a part of our life. Look at Another scripture, 1 John 4 says it like this. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. Someone say who perfect love is. Jesus. He is perfect love. 
And so as you grow closer to him, that fear that plagues you has to be driven out. Hmm. The one who fears, oh my goodness. <laughs> Take it up with the word of God. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. And so I want to say it, I want to say it like this. Can you put this up here, Dean? Old, thank you, thank you. Why do we allow fear to plague the church? And and I wrote a couple, um, I wrote a couple thoughts up here. And I want you to write one or two down that really just describes you. Circle it, maybe. But we allow fear to plague us. It spreads like wildfire. It it consumes our every thought. We don't know what to do with it. We just kind of surrender to it and give up to it. Am I speaking the truth in the church today? We allow it to just rule our lives. Fear. And no, I'm not talking, listen, Nick Miller's afraid of heights and waters. I don't play around. Snakes too. I don't mess with snakes. No lizards. No, we don't mess with those either, Jared. No. It's not natural. You know, let me take a little side note. If you have a snake for a pet, I just have, you know, I, I'm going to be real with you. You're a little suspect to me, okay? You have a snake for a pet, what's wrong with you, all right? If you have one and we love you, you're welcome here. Okay, why do we allow fear to plague the church? I'm not talking about those fears. I'm not talking about the external things. I'm talking about real stuff today. Can we talk about real stuff today, church? I'm talking about transparency, the ability to be the real you when you walk into a room. And this is so, this fear so plagues us that we're not even transparent with our spouse, the person who is the closest with us, the oneness that we have. We don't even allow that person to fully see who we are. That's how much the fear of transparency plagues the church. What happened, what happened in the Garden of Eden when they took of the apple and they ate? They were afraid, they were ashamed, and they covered up their transparency with one another. We get into church and like, okay, so I, I love talking. I love meeting people and, and I love getting to learn about people. I have so many conversations where people will not let me in and discover who they are or what they care about. And I get the same, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean, but I get the same conversation about cheeseburgers every time I talk. What are you really dealing with? What are you really going through? Tell me what's really on your heart. Are you upset today? We'll share that. A lot of people think that we don't care about one another. So, oh yeah, my day is good. Like we're like, church, we're like huge liars. How are you doing? Good. Really? We're afraid to be transparent and to share what's really going on. We're afraid to share the truth. Oh my goodness. So when someone... When someone comes to us with a, a doctrine that doesn't align with the word of God, we just kind of, in the name of peace, don't address anything. Oh, God's not real. Oh, okay, whatever you think, that's cool. We're afraid of rejection, people turning us down. And so when we go and we have this change in our life, we're afraid to be open about it because people might come and say, that's not real, that's not genuine. Who are you, a Christian? Why would you give to that stupid church place wasting your money? Why would you, why would you go to a, a place on Sunday when you can watch the Steelers get whooped by the Dolphins? Tonight. See you here at 6. Rejection. You're afraid of what your boss might think about you if you actually tell them that you're a believer in the truth and the life. Serious. Do you know how handcuffed people in the education system feel about their faith? They literally are afraid of losing their job. That's another form of persecution. Spiritual growth. I think this one is the most tragic one I wrote down. that we actually say no to the great steps that God has ahead of us out of pure fear. I could never pray in front of people. Here's mine. I could never do that. No, no, no. We shut down spiritual growth because we're afraid of it. Let me tell you something. The thing that's really crazy about spiritual growth is that it never ends and so it only keeps going and going and going. It never stops. 
And some of us have this mountaintop peak that we're gonna get to at the very end of our days. And we halt right here out of fear. You have all this. And we stop. I mean, seriously, we have a fear of failure. I don't wanna look like an idiot in front of everyone. What? It's okay, go fail. I just said with Jesus. Like I just messed up on stage, it's all good. Y'all didn't judge me and hate me. We're allowed to fail. Failing is good. We learn, but we have this irrational fear of it and we're plagued and actually that one paralyzes us the most. We have these big endeavors, big dreams that God puts on our hearts, but we could never do it, nope, nope, nope. And we stay in this little box of mediocrity. Fear of, uh, of offense, this is kind of similar to truth. We don't want to offend people. Fear of persecution, we talked about that. Oh, difficulty and discomfort. We will do everything to avoid that which is hard. Everything possible to avoid that which is hard. We are discomfort averse. Nope, get it as far away as possible. And everything in our society, this is such a scheme of the enemy, everything in our society is designed to give you ease and comfort. We have a severe fear problem in the church. Severe. And I'm done with it. I'm done with it. Is anyone else done with it today? I want to be done with it. I want to be done with it. And, and let me just speak personally. My commitment to you guys as pastor of Core Church is that when I step in the room, that I would command, command fear to flee on every occasion. Because you know what? If you won't do it, I'll do it. If you're not going to fight the giant, I'll do it then. And I... <laughs> By, by the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit in me, I will do everything I can to not allow fear to plague our church. Nick, are you saying that we can never fear anything? No, that's not what I'm saying. Let me give you some clarity. Jesus himself says, hey, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Just so you know, there is a guarantee. Come on, Dean, put this up here. There is a guarantee of trouble in this world. You will feel fear. You will have trials. There will be moments where you're scared. There will be moments where you got to be real and honest with yourself. Fear will come. The enemy will present himself big, bad, and mighty. It will happen. But you will have peace instead of fear. That, that is what I'm talking about. Things will come up. It is scary. There are scary moments in our life. That's okay. Courage isn't the absence of fear. It's the ability to walk with God through it. Without fear, what is courage? Courage isn't the absence of it. It is the ability to walk with God through it. So church, here, I'm here to tell you today that we will experience fear. We will experience fear. But this is my question for you and I to consider. Seriously, we gotta take this, we gotta take this to heart. Why do we allow fear to take residence? Someone say take residence. It's one thing for fear to appear on the doorstep, but we open the door and let it in and just let it sleep on our couch for, I don't know, three decades. And that is three decades too long. Why do we allow fear to take residence in the church or the believer, the individual, you? Why do you allow fear to take residence? Today, today I'm talking about getting fear out of the house. It's got to get out of the house, church. Someone say, get out of the house. Get out of the house. Get out of the house. Get out of this house. Get out of the house. The fear's got to go out of the house. It's been chilling way too long. It's been going way too long. 30 years is far too long. It's enough. It's enough. I don't know. I'm afraid to go and pray up on stage. Good, it's enough. Get up here. It's enough. I don't want to share people. I don't want them to judge me for who I really am. Believe me, I'm a weirdo too. I ain't going to judge you. You should see me in my house. I'm weird. I ain't going to judge you. Get that fear out of the house. It's enough. Kills everything. 
So get your books. 1 Samuel 17. We witness a story. We already talked about it, David and Goliath. We witness a, a, a warrior who is named David. We witness a warrior silence the enemy and inspire an entire army. This little boy, 13 years old, he's a warrior and he silences the whole Philistine army. And when he does so, the Israelites who are captivated by fear rise up and go win. One man, someone say one man. One man, seriously, one, not even a man, a boy. He don't even have chest hair yet. A boy. A boy did that. I'll tell you how important children's ministry and youth ministry is. That a boy can fight like this. So this is in verse 1. Go ahead, get your books out. 1 Samuel 17, verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered. They gathered on uh, their forces for war as they uh, assembled at Sokok in, in Judah. And they pitched a camp at, at Ephes, Denim. You know, give me some grace, folks. We're going to keep going, okay? The Philistines occupied one side. So imagine, here's the picture. The Philistines are on one side of the hill. And the Israelites are on the other side of the hill. And there's this big valley right in the middle. Camp and camp. They're, they're separated by this big valley. And there came out from a camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Uh, and, and I don't really know the, def, like the definite measurement of that, but this dude was huge. Massive. Uh, thank you for the study Bible. Good job. 11 feet. You ever see a, a dude that's 11 foot? Me neither. Okay? Huge. Keeps going. And he had a helmet of bronze. I just want to paint the picture. A helmet of bronze on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. He uh, had a bronze armor on his leg and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. Okay? The shaft of his spear, it keeps going, keep up, keep up. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and the spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield bearer went before him. This was a big, bad dude. This was, this was a giant. This was incredible. And I'm here to tell you today that the enemy, this is a, a plan that he always has. The enemy will always appear larger and more powerful than he really is. He dresses himself up. He gets this spear that I couldn't even lift. He's, he is massive and big. But the crazy thing is, is that then instead of using his physical power, he just starts screaming. That's what the enemy does. He just starts screaming at you, insulting you, and uh, uh, accusing you. You see this big dude, so large, but he just appears larger than he really is. He ain't that great. He's not that big. And so he stood. This is what happens. He stood at the ranks of Israel and he starts shouting, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. Choose one man. Someone say one man. Choose one man to come down and fight me. If he's able to fight me and kill me. Wait, wait, wait. If he is able to fight. Wait, you think you already won, dude? You're so great and mighty that it's like already over before it started. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, uh, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you should be our servants and serve us. Hey, does anyone know there's one man, there's a heavenly man who comes from the lineage of Dame David. Does anyone know his name? Jesus. Jesus is from the bloodline of David. And I want to tell you today that Jesus and the devil had the same confrontation. The crazy thing is, is that the enemy just wanted to fight one-on-one. -on -one. It wasn't a, a big battle between humanity and humanity or humanity and evil. No, it was a one-on-one -on -one battle. And Jesus won it just as happened in his lineage before. One-on-one, -on -one, Jesus fought with the enemy, defeated the enemy when he rose again from the grave, and it was done. I didn't have to battle. Jesus did it for me, church. One man on one man. Jesus, our God, against the ruler of this dark world, and Jesus crushed him under his foot. 
This happened before in the story of David and Goliath. And the Philistines said, look at his accusations. I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. That's what the enemy does. He presents himself big and large, and he just starts shouting and shouting and shouting, making accusations. Anyone ever have this, where a random thought comes in, brought up from your past and how terrible you were? You think that's normal? You think that comes from the Spirit of God? No, he brings up the past. He starts accusing you. He starts trying to redefine who you are. He tries to tell you that you aren't a son of God, that you aren't a daughter of God. He tries accusing you over and over and over. And so all of a sudden, this whole entire army, one man, entire army, was greatly afraid. I wrote it down like this. Without swinging a sword one time, the enemy instilled fear into trained, and I underline trained warriors. It's not like these guys were farmers. No, these were people who were used to battle. These were people who were trained warriors. This happens in believers today. We are believers in the way, the truth, and the life. We are trained warriors and we still have fear. And then we allowed to take residence. Without swinging a sword, this dude won the whole battle. Not one swing, not one person hurt, not yet. Yet the whole army was inflicted with fear. It was like a plague. It hit everyone. So then David is this younger brother. His older brothers are in the army right now and fighting and defending Israel. And David, this young boy who's just a teenager, his dad says, hey, you need to send some supplies. You need to go and take some cheese and bread, okay? Take them to your brothers so that way they may eat. And so David rose early in the morning. This is where David joins in the story. David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took the provisions, the food, and he went as Jesse had commanded him. That's a good son, yep, honoring his father. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle again. So they're face to face, army against army. And David left the things. He said, hey, you go and take care of all this food. And, and he ran to the ranks. He wanted to go and see his brothers. And he wanted to see what was happening. Oh my gosh, they're about to battle it up. Let's see what's going on. But before the battle even started, he talked with them, and the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, he came up out of the ranks, so he, he steps out of the line, and he comes before the entire nation of Israel, all those armies, all the, all the warriors in the army, and he starts going at it again. Spoke the same words as before. I want to pause there for a second. It's really funny. The enemy has no tricks. He speaks the same words every time. This is why I love saying I'm hearing it's different now over and over and over because apparently when you hear the same words every single time, it reinforces something. And so he had this whole speech memorized. He's saying the same exact things over and over and over again, inspiring fear. Y'all with me, church? And then David heard them too. So David heard the whole spiel, he heard the whole speech. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled. So the armies just turned around and ran away, and they were much afraid. Did you, did you catch that? David heard these words. David heard the exact same threats. He heard the exact same words that the Philistine, put this up here. He heard the exact same words that the Israelite army heard. Yet he's going to have a different response. He's going to operate in a different way. He's going to react and respond in a heavenly way. And I want us to take note of what happens. He heard the exact same threats. Can I encourage you? Sometimes you're going to see someone who, um, who, who casts aside fear and you think it's, it's weird. They hear the same threats every day. Everyone is going to hear these same threats every day. The enemy is going to lie about me just as he lies about you. The enemy is going to accuse me just as he accuses you. The enemy is going to come in with his fear tactics. But we have a choice in how we, how we can respond to that, just like David is going to do. David starts talking to the armies. Look at this. You can put this up here. 
He starts talking. David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? In other words, if I fight him, what happens? What, what's going to happen? Do I get a nice like treasure chest? Is that what's going to happen? Because that's a big dude over there. For who is this? But look at this though. And the, the crazy thing is, is that David addressed the enemy for who he was. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of? Someone say the living God. The living God. So he calls the enemy who he is and he acknowledges who God is. David understood who the enemy was and he knew how great his God is. He's, who is this guy? Are you serious? Fear of transparency. Are you serious? Fear of a spiritual step. Are you serious? And I'm not judging you, but that's what David said. Who is this? What is this? Where is that coming from? And how does that stand up against our God? We have a fear of rejection. What, what, how does that stand up against God? Really? This fear of discomfort and difficulty. How does that stand up against our God? Really? Call it what it really is and then acknowledge who he is. This is some dude with a sword. He doesn't even believe in the living God. He is an enemy of the living God. And my God is greater than him. That's what the statement was. Sometimes we need to start looking at fear that way. Really? Transparency. You're afraid of being transparent. Really? Start addressing it that way. Who is this? What is this fear? Really? Mm. And so when the words that David spoke, go ahead. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul. And so Saul was like, bring this kid here. What, what, this is different. Let me, let me talk with this little kid. And David said to Saul, hey, we shared this earlier. Let no man's heart fear or fail because of him. I will go. One man, mano y mano. I'll go fight this guy right now. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, oh my gosh, no way. You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. Some people are so bought into fear that they actually are the enemy's companion towards you. Some believers in the church are so bought into fear that they're the enemy's companion and actually speak the enemy's words towards you as well. Mm. So bought into it. You can't go up against this Philistine to fight with him for your buddy youth. Look, he's also accusing you. Now he's trying to identify. Nick, you can't build this. You're just a 25-year-old. You know nothing about building business. What type of things have you built? Nick, you don't know anything about building a school. What do you know? I don't know. I just know I'm with the living God, and he's inspired a vision in my heart. Thank you. We can have haters buying into that. Oh, this is too early. Oh, no, don't do this. Don't make this step. Go ahead. You live in fear. I'm going this way. Let's, let's see what happens. I, if you can't tell, I can't stand fear. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. For your buddy, youth. And this man has been a man of war from his youth. Where David was, this is what essentially David was doing. Where he walked, fear of the giant, giant was commanded to flee. Let no man's heart fail. Get that fear out of here. I'm in this camp, I'm here right now. That fear has to flee. Oh, you're afraid of transparency? Drop that fear right now. Oh, you're afraid of a spiritual step? Go, start stepping, I'm with you. Oh, you're afraid of, of, of discomfort and difficulty? Hey, I'm gonna walk with you through this, but you gotta put. It has to flee when I'm around. It had to flee where David was. And so when someone starts talking like that and starts operating in fear, I'm just going to tell y'all, church, I give you full and total permission to punch back. Bro, you can take that fear out of here. No, I'm being, I'm being dead serious. If someone's like, oh, no, oh, oh, please take that fear out of here. Please, get it out. It doesn't belong here. Hmm. Too many of us, plagued by it. We start trying to convince each other. Out of here, period. Amen? And so David said to Saul, this is the address. <laughs> 
Your servant used to keep sheep. Oh my gosh. Oh, you're trying to define who I am? Oh, you're trying to say I can't do it? Well, let me tell you my story and let me tell you how God moved in my life. Watch this. Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. He took a menial, nothing job and learned about God's qualities from it. And when he, when the, uh, there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. I love that word, delivered. He delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his, his beard. I love that. And struck him and killed him. Your servant, look at this. Your servant, you're trying to, you're trying to define me. Go ahead, keeps going. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. Now wait. Nick, I've never conquered any fear. I haven't beaten the lion or the bear yet. It's time to start winning. It's time to start winning, and I will walk with you. But it's time to start winning against the, the lion and the bear so that you can take on the giant. So I, again, this story is hard to receive if you feel, and I know what fear does. It is so overwhelming. It's so plaguing. It so inflicts every area of our life that we feel like we can't do a single thing. And you might be here and say, I have lived in fear since the day I was born. It's time to start winning one. And then what happens, and this is so cool in the church, I love, I love when I see people take ground spiritually. I love when they start growing because once they do it once, then they're like, what? could do this and then they just start taking everything on my first message ever I was 20 years old I came back from Australia and my knees were shaking and guess what I was talking about fear guys I feel so uncomfortable one message we conquer that we get over that fear and we push forward amen so I don't know if you've even conquered a line yet. Today's a great day to start. We're going to fight some giants later to, with each other. Amen? Yeah. This Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion. Someone say, the Lord. Here's the, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I, I just can't wait to preach this message. I'll let it preach itself. Okay, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Do you know that David was prepared for this moment? Every battle that he's been through, every trial that he's faced, he's been prepared for this very moment right here, right now. And every trial that you faced, every moment that has been difficult, every hardship that you've endured has prepared you to face this fear right here, right now. The Lord has prepared, please put this up here. The Lord has prepared David for this moment and will continue to deliver. Someone say deliver. If he has delivered you from the pits of hell, he will continue to deliver you. Wait, no, seriously. Y'all need to, we don't consider our salvation. A lot of us, um, uh, we were praying about miracles and we were praying about God doing incredible things. Do y'all know and recognize that the greatest form of deliverance and the greatest miracle that has ever happened is that you gave your life to Jesus? Starting there, you've been rescued from the pits of hell. What does that transparency have against you? If you've been rescued from the pits of hell, what does that discomfort have towards you? It's nothing compared to it. God has shown himself victorious 100% of the time. Amen, church? He bats 1,000, 100%. If he delivered you from the pits of hell, he will continue to deliver you. That fear is not going to conquer you. Conquer you. It's not going to overwhelm you. It doesn't win the battle. You win, church. Amen? So then Saul, they have this moment where, all right, well, let's get prepared. If you really want to go fight this, you 13-year-old fool, let's see you try and go do it. And so Saul clothed David. With his, own, with his own armor, he put the helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with the coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor, and he tried to go. But it, he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I've not tested them. I haven't experienced this before. I haven't fought like this. I'm a shepherd. I don't do that. And so David, he took them off. 
Then he took his staff and, and, and his hand and he chose five. Someone say five. This is one of those moments, if you have the court code, this is a green moment. This is a story detail that is so incredible. He took five stones from the brook and he put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistines. So this little weakling 13-year-old punk kid comes up with five stones in his cute little pouch and a little sling. That? But can I tell you something? Because we mentioned earlier, it's not like David didn't have fear. Do you want proof that he had fear, church? Do you want to see how he had fear? Put this up here. You want proof of it. Why did he grab five stones? Let me tell you what went through his mind as a little 13-year-old. Okay, well, if I miss, I don't know what's going to happen. Scared. What if I miss? Anyone ever thought about that for fear? What if this only dings his helmet? Oh, boy. What if this doesn't work and I'm running for my life? He was afraid. That's why he grabbed five stones. If he had so much assurance, and if he knew it was, if it was through and through done, he would have only picked up one, yeah? Church, it's okay. It's okay. Listen to me. It's okay to pick up five stones. Wait, 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 wait. It's okay to pick up five stones, but you got to go fight it. It's okay to be afraid, but you got to go fight it. You got to go do it. You got to get it out. You got to go do it. You got to go do it. Pick up the five stones. Goliath was a giant, but David didn't allow fear to take residence. He experienced it, but I'm still going to fight this dude right now. This fear ain't going to drive me out. This fear isn't going to cause me to run away. Uh, I got to pick up these five stones in case I'm running for my life, and I got to go take this man on. Y'all see that, church? Pick up your five stones now. It's okay. It's okay. You got to go push through it. So David then said to the Philistine, so he approaches the line, he gets up to him. David said to the Philistine, this is so good. Remember, we were in our series, <laughs> we were in our series about, um, we, don't, we don't dialogue with the enemy, we tell the enemy. David told him, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in something that is way greater than you have. I come to you, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, this, this is not a dialogue, church. This is a straight declaration. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down. This day, the Lord will deliver this difficult situation in my hand. I will conquer this fear. I will strike it down. I will cut off your head, and I will give, look at this. This is like graphic. Whoa, this is Bible. I will give the dead bodies uh, of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know this is this is this is why he equips us to overcome fear because fear is so plaguing that when you actually break out of the fear mold everyone takes note everyone's like what just happened he is not afraid how is that possible you know what happens as a result of people seeing a man or a woman operating in heavenly authority without fear? They glorify God. So that all the earth may know <laughs> that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly, look, he's talking about his army. That all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. Wait, I got, this is probably my favorite line of the entire, of the entire sermon. The entire army was afraid, church. The entire army was afraid because they had forgotten that this was God's battle from the beginning. Wait, this is really serious. You become aware of your frailty when you try taking control of the battle. You realize how really weak you are. You realize how really frail you are. You realize how really big the enemy is. And you try taking that on on yourself or on your own, and it's not going to work. But if you realize that this is God's battle, you win 100% of the time. And sometimes, this is the crazy things. Sometimes you have to be brought to a weak point so that you can acknowledge that he's the only one that can do it. So before you're brought to that weak point, can you just acknowledge that he's the one that needs to fight the battles? I become aware of my frailty when I'm trying to do it myself. 
Oh, and I fail over and over and fear plagues me. But when I give everything to God, oh my goodness, I am unstoppable. And so the battle happens. Go ahead. You can put this up here. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet with David, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag. He took out a stone, slung it, struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and the dude fell face to the ground. So David, go ahead, keeps going. So David prevailed over the Philistine church. He won. He prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David, so then he took his own, he took the Philistine's own sword and killed him. Cut off his head with it. Go ahead. When the Philistines saw this, they were afraid. The crazy thing is, is that (laughs) the author of fear, the enemy, actually can feel afraid. Church, y'all awake and catching that? Hold on, hold on. Wait, wait. Catch that, catch that, catch that. The one who inspires fear actually feels fear himself. And he is deathly afraid of one who walks in heavenly authority. And the men of Israel, the whole army rose with a shout. And the people of Israel came back and they chased the Philistines. They came back from chasing the Philistines. They plundered the camp. David took the head and brought it to Jerusalem as a prize, as a trophy saying, look, we conquered the enemy today. One man, one heavenly man walking in authority pushed back the plague of fear in an entire army. One man, someone say one man. One man walked with heavenly authority and kicked fear out. You can do it too. It might look very different for you. There's no Goliaths from what I know around. It's going to look different. But you can win. Amen, church. One man walking with heavenly authority has the capacity to kick fear out. I love that. I love that. And so I have a, I have a, uh, I was praying about like where, like I want to teach you guys. I want to, I want you to walk away with something. It's one thing to be inspired, but I want you to walk away with something today. And this question was just kind of like whispered in my heart. And, and I thought about it and I was like, wow, we need to talk about this. Church, when do I experience fear the most? Because you're probably listening and you're like, does this man actually experience fear? Like, does this man, is he human? Because I know people think that of pastors all the time. I'm human just like all of y'all. I experience fear too. I have things going on in my heart too, okay? And so I wanted to diagnose when I feel fear the most because church, when we understand or when we find out when, we can battle it and win. Amen, church? And so I feel fear the most when I lack trust. When I lack trust, you can put this up here, please. When I lack trust. And today, I'm giving you a scripture from David each and every time, a man who operated in a heavenly way and kicked back fear. I want to show you that trust is a huge integral part of whether we are afraid or not. When you don't trust God, when you don't think he can handle it, you become deathly afraid of everything that comes your way. But when you trust that God is able to uphold or stand firm in or come through on every promise he's made you, you, when you trust his word through and through, that fear doesn't really take place. Yes, it comes, but it stops at the doorstep and flees. Look at what David says. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed and a stronghold like a city, big walls, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Trust is a huge part of this. And trust comes from relationship building over time. You just need to see him do it over and over and over again. And I think if you don't trust God today, or if you're struggling with trust, can God really come through? It might be a great prayer to say, God, I want to see you come through. I want to see ways that you do it. And show me ways that you've done it before. Remind me. Remind me of the lion and the bear that you conquered. Amen, church. So I I feel fear when I lack trust. I also feel fear when I'm at a distance. This is the funniest example in the world, but if you have a little kid 
and you're in the grocery store and Warren does this all the time. Warren, he goes at his own flow in life. Like he's got his own pace. Hurry is not a concept in his mind. Serious. And so we'll be walking through the grocery store, getting stuff going, and he finds the little thing in the front of the aisle that has like firecrackers or something, and he stands there. And dad gets a little bit too far away. What happens? He panics. Dad, wait! And then he speeds on over. He feels fear when he's at a distance. Church, the same thing goes for us. The thing that's, oh my goodness, can I be honest with the church today? So the church, oh my gosh. Okay, so people, remember, the church cannot save you, but it can keep you. We can keep you. I can't save you, but we can keep you. And a lot of people, whenever they find themselves out of the habit of being within community, they experience this fear, they experience this anxiety and this stress, and it actually convinces them to isolate instead of to come back in the community. Because the enemy knows if you start coming back in this circle here and you start standing along believers who don't operate with the fear resident or residing in me, the enemy knows that you're going to defeat them. And so the enemy wants to convince you, oh, don't go to church this Sunday. Oh, you had a hard Saturday. You went and took Warren to some soccer games, all that time. You know, just spend some time cleaning the house, do the dishes. This isn't going to be a good one anyways. They might not play my favorite song. And then the fear cycle, the stress cycle, and the anxiety cycle just perpetuates over and over. I went on vacation for one week, and I felt the anxiety starting to kick in because I wasn't around my brothers and sisters in Christ. I can feel it. Get to church. Not for numbers. Not for a cool hype session. Get to church so that you can be safe with us, safe with one another. Amen, church. The Lord is near to all who call on him. When you're feeling at distance, dad! Oh, okay, what's up, Warren? When am I going to leave him? I'm not going to leave him. No. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in the truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. Oh, my goodness. Wait, we're not supposed to fear. Yeah, the fear of the Lord is great. The fear of doing life without him. That's what the fear of the Lord is. Those who fear him, he hears their cry and he saves them if you're at a distance call on his name get in the community turn around don't isolate anymore that's enough keeps going third thing is i feel fear the most when i shift my eyes let me give a a, a definition of that when i start to look at goliath and see how really big he is and this armor and this javelin i start getting spooked and when i feel my eyes wandering from this word that gives me life from this word that shows me how i ought to operate from this word that gives me everything thing that I need when I start shifting my eyes some of us oh okay some of us love to complain do you know that the complaint like let's say let me give you an example maybe you aren't happy with where your house is at oh I just feel like oh blah 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 I want things to be better in this house and you start complaining and you start taking your eyes off of the goodness and you start looking at all the things that are bad and over and over and then all of a sudden you start panicking about money because you can't repair your house and this thing's gonna break and all of a sudden this fear starts kicking in Because you take your eyes off of what is true. That complaining, that grumbling, when we start taking our eyes off of what is true, let me speak another thing that we put our eyes to. We put our eyes to images on a screen. It kills our perspective. We got to watch where our eyes are looking. Amen, church. David saw this, he saw the same guy and it didn't faze him. Watch where your eyes are going. Amen, church? Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. That's when you feel fear is because you're not seeking. Remember the wonder. I love that word, remember. Someone say remember. That's a huge thing that inspires faith in me. That's a huge thing that that kicks out fears. I remember. Remember the wonders he's done. His miracles and the judgments he's pronounced. Remember what he's done. Look to him always. Amen, church? Fourth thing. I feel fear when I'm alone. So not only at a distance, but when I'm outside of my community, when I'm by myself, oh my goodness, that is when I'm susceptible to fear. But the truth is, is I have to remind myself that I am not alone. Sometimes uh, being a leader, you have to forge, you have to pioneer through some stuff on your own. And I know that I am not alone. You're not alone, church. 
Even in your lowest moment, you're not alone. Look, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because I know he's with me, church. Sometimes you just got to remind yourself, I'm not alone in this. He's here. And it's different now. Mm. So when you're alone, watch out. Be around people. Be around brothers and sisters that encourage one another. Instead of isolating from your spouse, go to your spouse. Talk about it. Last one, and this is a huge one. I feel fear the most when I mess up. crazy thing is, is that the enemy loves to convince you that this behavior or this action is going to benefit you. Then you do that action and he exposes you and shames you. <laughs> you made this mistake. Now your wife is going to hate you. <laughs> you made this mistake. Your boss is going to fire you for sure. He's going to get rid of you. When we mess up, Particularly sin, sin is often followed by fear. Remember, Genesis chapter 3, she took and ate and they hid. They were afraid. Sin leads to fear. Amen, church? So I'm not preaching this message that you would live a perfect life so that you may not have fear. But understand that at times, if you're trying to diagnose what the problem is, if you're trying to figure out why you're afraid, maybe it might be some internal decisions that you made that have separated you. And so what you simply do when you make this mess up is you go to him and you repent. I'm sorry, God, I messed up. Asking for forgiveness. Being transparent with those around you. Look at what it said. When we, when we pray in prayer room, we do this all the time. Confess your sins to one another so that we may pray and build each other up so that you may be healed and find forgiveness. Church, it is important that when you mess up, we start talking about it so that fear doesn't claim you forever and ever. Amen. Right, church? Even in the mess up moments, you got to be honest. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. He has such great love for you. There's, listen, if I'm a human and I say this, there's nothing that Warren could do that would stop my love for him. How much greater is he? So in that mess up, go, go. He has removed your transgressions so far as the east is from the west. Go to him when you mess up so that that fear doesn't take residence in you. Amen, church. So let me speak honestly and transparently. When I, I have two examples. When I, when I lust, I'm afraid Emmy is going to find out. And I hide it. And there's this separation and this wall between me and her. And that wall doesn't come down until I get over that fear. And then I start even acting up in different ways. I'll give you another example. There's times I, I've told you all how I'm trying to work through just the way that I eat, treating my body well. Because I have, I love my foods. Anyone else with me? I love it. Them Reese's, them big cups. Oh, Praise the name. So my wife is a health guru, and I don't want her figuring it out. And so what I do is I go get cash, and I pay for I go to the gas station, fill up the tank, and I pay for it in cash so that she never finds out. But then she finds the wrapper days later in the back of the trunk. Nick, what's, where's this racing from? Oh, that's Warren's. I actually go as far as to make decisions to continue to perpetuate my lie out of fear that she's not going to embrace and love me. Do you see how real fear is? And especially when we mess up, what ends up happening is I go for weeks with this fear. If I just came up to her and said, babe, I had a moment, I bought myself a Reese. She would say, well, let's not do that again. Let's get better. Let's get on course. She doesn't beat me up. She doesn't hate me. She doesn't run away from me. Church, you walk around with fear unnecessarily because you allow the mess up to remain unfixed. 
Just go fix it. Seriously, go fix it immediately. When we become aware of when, we can battle better. That's why I wanted to talk about this. When we become aware of when, we can battle better. Amen, church? And so if you're, if you're experiencing fear today, we can battle. We can adjust. If you're feeling alone, if you're feeling at a distance, if you've messed up, we can start adjusting so that this fear can go and get out of our life. Ultimately, Jesus is going to be the one who does it. Ultimately, perfect love casts out fear. Draw near to him, and that stuff will flee. Amen, church? So the bottom line for today is this. Where I am, fear has to flee. Someone say, where I am? With some gusto. Where I am, fear has to flee. It's got to go. It's got to go. The Holy Spirit in you, it's got to go. I'm tired of seeing a church, not just core. I'm tired of seeing the church that allows fear to take residence within its walls. Amen? That's enough. That's enough. Let's go defeat Goliath this week. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that perfect love casts out all fear. We thank you that in you, we do not have to fear. We thank you that in you, we have victory. We thank you that in you, we are safe. We thank you that in you, we are whole. There is nothing, there is nothing that we will be missing as we draw near to you and draw close to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are so, so good. Thank you, God, that you are so good. Mm. And I stand against any fear in this room. We mentioned a couple things. Transparency, spiritual growth, discomfort or difficulty. If it's, if it's exposure, if it's, if it's rejection, I stand against any lie, anything that inspires fear. And I command it to flee in the name of Jesus Christ. And I, I speak with the power of the Holy Spirit today that this is not going to be a church that is marked with fear. But this is going to be a church that is set free in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said... Amen. Can y'all say amen like you believe it? Fear has to go. You're set free in this place. Amen, church? I'm all about it. I'm so excited. No fear this week. Let's go. It will come to the door, but it's not going to take residence. We're done with that stuff. 30 years, that's too much. Out. Amen, church? Will you all stand? And we're going to sing a song about battling. And how Jesus, my goodness, he... Fear has to bow in his presence. Amen? Let's sing. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We hope you are able to draw closer to him today and can walk away with a deeper knowledge of his word. At CORE, we believe you aren't meant to do life alone. Visit us at corechurch.com to learn more about how to get involved with our community through serving opportunities and our weekly events.